0: to the Easy Peasy Podcast, where we discuss living better through permaculture, mindfulness, decentralization, flow, freedom, agorism, anarchy, and more. Our mission is to solve life's complex problems with simple solutions. I'm your host Mike the polymath Whistler coming from the easy peasy shop in Indianapolis Indiana the crossroads of America thanks for joining Stay the same it's
1: all that you know.
0: Thirty four of the Easy Peasy Podcast. It is rolling. I've got a new guest in the studio. Eva, not Ava. Not Ava. So Eva, tell us who you are. Tell us what you've been doing as of late.
2: Ooh. Good question. <laughs> um, I'm Eva. I am a college counselor and education consultant. I did my bachelor's and master's in psychology, and now I am doing it all from the road as a full time RVer. Just me and the puppy.
1: Yeah. Hell
0: yeah. You know, it's become like pretty trendy, pretty like hip to be like a van lifer oh, yeah. or, uh, you know, living on the road, doing, you know, as like a young person, that's become. Your pup is clever, isn't she? She's
2: very clever. Give me that bone, puppy. We took
0: the bone away for the sake of sound quality. (laughs) She'll probably be okay as long as we maybe... Uh,
1: I got it. Okay.
0: But anyways, like, it's become trendy, and actually, you know, I I hesitate to even bring it up, but, like, there's been kind of big news lately. I'm sure you're aware.
2: I did read about that with the girl. Gabby
0: Petito, something like that. You know, really a sad story. I mean... I guess the thing of that circumstance, that it's like it wasn't a random person. It was
2: not. And it never is. Well,
0: it can be. It
2: can be. But statistically, from my perspective, people are like, oh, you're so brave. You're RVing by yourself. Aren't you afraid someone's going to get you? And I'm like, no.
1: Right. If
2: someone tries to hurt me, it's going to be like my friend, my acquaintance, my boss. I mean... Statistically, this is just how it works. Women are not attacked randomly walking down the street. It's always a friend, a stranger, a fiance, a trusted loved one, an uncle. So, yeah, yeah. I'm traveling alone, so I'm really in no danger whatsoever. <laughs> well, and you got
0: your companion, you got Ooh, some yes. backup. Uh, you know, you
2: a te- very frightening golden retriever. She yeah. just turned one.
0: Yeah, she's cute. Tell us her name again. I know I've asked twice. Her
2: name but... is Vesta Cougar Vesta.
0: Vesta? Vesta's. vestas for the best of
2: us vesta is the roman goddess of home and family really because we're full-time rvers and people are like where do you live where's your home base and i'm like here
0: this this gal right Right here. right now this studio
2: my home is where the puppy is so yeah yeah yeah. my home is here
0: (laughs) well i'm a little jealous like because part of me really does want to like be a full-time nomad um that that option kind of like left as soon as I decided to start a mm-hmm. business. But I, I am envious of people that are able to live that way. And I hope to get there at some point. Like my goal is definitely to get my business to a point where I can kind of leave it in the hands of others and be able to do what I want on any given day mm-hmm. and living out of your vehicle and going anywhere you want to go at any given time. Like there's got to be something pretty awesome to that. Oh, yeah. There's a reason it's becoming trendy, right?
2: There is a reason it's becoming trendy. Um, I mean, basically, a lot of people are able to work from home, including me. Mm-hmm. Before the pandemic, I was out living in California and charging a lot of money to the people that I worked with. But that was because I needed a lot of money to live in California.
1: Yeah.
2: And in the back of my mind, I was always like, you know, like right now, 30% of my business is online if I could make like 70% of my business be online, I could say, forget the other 30%. I'm
1: like I can live that. somewhere
2: else and not need that extra money. So I was already in the process of trying to move my business more online.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I, you know, I had strategies, I was like strategic and thoughtful about it, but then the pandemic happened and just overnight, everything I was trying to do happened Yeah. yeah. without me doing anything. So between that and you know, 5G, cell phone technology, better service. I feel like I couldn't have done this trip two years ago because cell service has gotten better and faster. And, you know, I'm still working. So I need to be able to get online and I almost always can.
0: I was going to say, do you like have to look that up in advance? as far as where you're going if you're going to have coverage and
2: well i'm on my way to kentucky right yeah. now and i'm a little nervous about it pretty much everywhere i've been has had good enough service that i can get on zoom and google docs mm-hmm. except for the everglades upstate new york and some places in oklahoma i just didn't have service but everywhere else i've been the service has been really good like worst case i switch from zoom to a voice call and sure. then still use my phone as a hotspot for google voice For those who are curious, and I get this question all the time, this is not an advertisement, Um, Mm. (laughs) what phone plan do I use is the Sprint Unlimited Premium Plan, Okay. 75 bucks a month, I get unlimited data and 100 gigs of hotspot data a month, and I've only gone over once.
0: I was doing the hotspot thing, I mentioned to you when we met, I'd lived off grid for a little bit, and uh, that was my sort of solution, but I think I only had like 10 gigs, and that will yeah, you use it up in a hurry, and I wasn't doing mm-hmm. any video conferencing or any of that. But it's cool. I mean, yeah, like you said, just a handful of years ago, you probably wouldn't have had such an easy time working on the road exactly as you do now. And um, it's kind of like, why the hell not, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So how you said you've been to how many states?
2: I think thirty-seven or thirty-eight on okay. this trip. We started about a year ago. My first day in the RV. I mean it. It kind of came to me as an epiphany. I mentioned to you before the trip started out as a tent camping trip, and come here, Bessa, move. Best to move. She's very curious about this equipment. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it started Gosh, out as a tent hair. camping trip, and I was going down the coast of California, which I decided to do because, not to repeat myself, but. I was like, I have flown, like, 30 hours, then gotten on a five-hour bus ride, then taken a one-hour ferry to another bus to go surfing. You know, I've traveled around the world, to the Philippines, to Indonesia, Costa Rica, Panama, Mexico, to surf. And I've never driven three hours down the road to, like, Ventura or Malibu or some of these world-famous California surf spots. And I was like, why not? Why haven't I done this yet? I'm missing out. You know, if you Google, like, best longboarding waves in the world. Two of them are in California. Why haven't I been there?
0: Right, right, right. So you've been traveling for a long time, it sounds like, um, but just now doing the whole, like, RV
1: thing. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: So do you like RV travel more than other forms, or is it just different?
2: It's certainly the most involved form of travel that I've ever done, hands down. I mean, it seems like international travel would be harder, Yeah. but it's not. Like, for me, like... People be like, oh, where are you going? Where are you staying? And I'm like, I don't know. I booked a flight to, like, you know, Malaysia. That's all I know. Mm. Then you get there. You buy a $2 SIM card at the airport with 10 gigs of data. You call a car. The car takes you to the hotel that you book while you're waiting for the car. You don't have to plan anything. You don't have to, like... I mean, when I think about how people used to travel and how easy it would be to take advantage of somebody who didn't know their way around town. I mean, now I call a car Mm. and the app shows me like what route we're going to take and I know I'm getting the best possible deal. You can just do everything by the seat of your pants. Whereas here, you know, I'm towing a big RV. It's not a van. It's not a truck camper. If you go down
0: the wrong road, you're in trouble.
2: I've had to back down roads. Like I drove down a road once. I almost got to the end of it where there was a turnaround and there was a low branch. I'm 11 feet, 11 inches tall in yeah. the RV, and I couldn't fit under the branch. I like having a roof. Yeah, So <laughs> that's like, kind okay. of the whole
0: point of having like a shelter on yeah. <laughs> You know, four walls are one thing, a roof, you kind of need that, yeah.
2: So I just had to back all the way down this road, about a mile, it took about an hour and a half. I mean, that's so much, but you know, for me, it's just been like, if you try enough times, eventually you'll get it right.
0: Had you ever, like, towed a trailer before? No. Yeah. It's a lot to learn.
2: It's something I lost sleep over just thinking about it. Like, I decided I wanted to do this. I was on this tent camping trip. I ended up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. So Uh starting in California, that's where I ended up. And I was euphoric. I was having so much fun. I was like, I could do this indefinitely if I could work more reliably. Like, if I had an office, if I had a place to put my bike when I wasn't using it, Mm. I could keep doing this forever. Yeah. I wanted an underwear drawer, which you know, I was like, I'm an adult woman. I don't instead
0: even, of instead of living out of a suitcase, basically. Yeah, yeah, I don't even
2: wear underwear most days. What's the point, right? <laughs> but I still wanted an underwear drawer. I just wanted to feel like an adult woman with an office. Yeah, a yeah. A queen size yeah. bed, an underwear drawer, and a place to put my bike.
0: Well, I've lived out of my truck at times on long trips, just tent camping, like you're describing, and there's a lot of work in setting up camp tearing Mm -hmm. it down and just just the fact that if you're not on the ball inevitably the car is going to become a disaster and like Mm -hmm. there's going to be shit everywhere and you're not going to be able to find what you need when you need it and so no i've been i told you toying with different ideas of how to get sort of more um set up to be a semi nomad of sorts and whether that be a you know set up in the back of the truck or a trailer i don't know yet but there's something about like having all your basic needs, and with a full-blown fifth-wheel RV, you get a shower, you get a toilet, oh, yeah. you get you know all the. It's like a house on wheels. I mean, it's a nice shower.
2: I have a 14-gallon hot water tank. That's a decent shower. Yeah,
0: you know it's funny. I I am running an RV water heater in this place.
2: Nice. You see that? <laughs> a little
0: propane inline water heater. Oh my god! I yeah. love
2: propane. Before this trip, I had no idea what a wonderful cheap, efficient gas we have in propane. I know, right? But so many of my appliances run off of it. They can run off of 110, which is like if you plug into shore power.
0: So you have like the electric slash propane uh, refrigerator and Mm -hmm. stove. refrigerator,
2: stove, oven, and water heater. So I can Mm. have hot water even if I'm totally off the grid. Just flip on the propane and Mm -hmm. wait a couple minutes.
0: So how long could you theoretically like dry camp, as they say, right? No, no hookups, no. With
2: my current setup, yeah. So I just filled my black water tank. That is the poop tank, for the first time. Yeah. And that took about five weeks. Yeah. Because you know these are my RV is designed for a family of like four or five. It's just you. So if it's just yeah. me, I can yeah. go a long time. So the black water is a consideration, and then the energy consumption is another. Mm-hmm. When I decided to do this, I knew I wanted solar. And I like did research about solar systems, solar systems, solar setups, Sure. and I thought I knew what I wanted. And then somebody was like, I don't think you should buy solar until you're better aware of your energy needs. And You that, may not need it, basically. That was really good advice because I way overestimated my energy needs. <laughs> mm-hmm. Almost everything I have, I can run off with a 12 volt battery, like a basic $90 car battery
0: that's just for lights and
2: yeah the lights the exhaust fan Mm -hmm. the heater runs off of propane plus the 12 volt the only things i can't run off of the battery would be air conditioning which Mm. is important in the summer i have a puppy and she doesn't like to sleep if it's hotter than 73 degrees yeah she'll just pant in my face all night so Mm. gotta keep it cool for the puppy and the microwave But I realized, too, I don't even really need the microwave. Anything you heat up on the stovetop is going to be better. Yeah. Microwave's like,
0: eh, if you're feeling lazy, right?
2: Well, I never knew. My whole adult life I was lazy.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But if you're being conscious about your energy usage, yeah, if you just don't use it. Yeah,
2: it takes a few minutes longer, but like anything, sausage, whatever it is, it's going to be like, a little crispy a little oh, like, it's way better in the stove so yeah, much better. on a fry pan or
0: whatever no yeah. one told me i'm a big fan of the toaster oven but that that'll suck your electricity
1: down mm-hmm. in a hurry um,
2: but they do have yeah. these little cages like little metal cages with long handles it's like a marshmallow stick with a cage in the end and you can put like sandwiches or toast or stuff in there uh-huh. much like a toaster oven <laughs>
0: oh, very cool very cool well I, you know it's inspiring like I don't think it's just brave for like a single woman to travel alone like this. I think it's brave for really anybody to travel alone like this because, you know, even if you have a pup with you, like I'm sure it gets kind of lonely at times, but it seems like, so I met you at the dog park and it seems like you make an effort to kind of like get out wherever you're at. Like what brought, what brought you to Indy just passing through?
2: I'm on my way to Kentucky. Okay. And like, I yes, I pick my destinations based on surfing and mountain biking. Mm. But if there's other cool stuff on the way, of course I'm going to go do it. Of course I'm going to go see it. I don't just surf and bike. So I've had the chance to go to all these really interesting American cities. Um, I mentioned before I love Oklahoma City. Uh I love Savannah, Charleston, like all these cities I never would have gone to if I just had like a week off of work or a long weekend or something, I wouldn't have been like, oh, I'm going to go to Oklahoma City this weekend. Yeah. But because it was on my way to Florida, I stopped there and loved it. I mean, it was musical, interesting. They had a canal. All the entertainment in that city happens along the canal.
1: Mm.
2: When there's no COVID going on, they've got like boats going up and down the canal, music. They have a road called Flaming Lips Road. Just all these cities I never would have known about. All these little parks, city, county, state parks. There's a lot of really great stuff out there, mm. and in an RV you get to see it all.
0: Well, it's cool you popped into Indy. Like I'm glad to have met you, and um, you know I'm proud of this little city, and it is known as the crossroads of America. So a lot of people pass through but don't stick around
1: Mm -hmm. it
0: sounds like you've been here all day you're gonna be here a little bit tomorrow at least right yeah
2: yesterday afternoon i got here and i'll be here tomorrow as well um yeah i really enjoyed this one thing i've asked myself as i've gone around the country is could i be happy here Mm. could i live here and be happy And the answer is yes, in all these places that I never would have guessed, because I surf and I bike. Yeah. So I was in San Antonio. They don't really have a lot of surfing or mountain biking in San Antonio, but I loved it. I was like, I could be happy here. I could be happy here.
0: I spent a lot of time in San Antonio, too, and it is a cool, cool place. I really like that town. You know, it's kind of like Indy. It's not too big. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Just the Uh, right size.
0: Really, like, their whole canal district very much reminds me of ours, um yeah I was lucky for a short time to have a job I mean I was lucky in that it got me to travel to different cities and spend like weeks on end you know I spent like a month in New Orleans and overall probably two months in um, San Antonio at different times And um, the job itself you know it didn't work out whatever but it was like really cool to actually spend some real time in a place get to know it and um you know it's like i think RV traveling allows you that flexibility if you if you find that you like a place it's not like you're beholden to your plane tickets or your hotel accommodations you can stay as long as you want leave whenever you want and um you know i i think a lot of people make the mistake when they travel of over planning mm-hmm. and it's way more fun if you can just like be a little more spontaneous, right? That's Definitely. what, that's what vacations Definitely, I love the for. open-ended
2: trip. Yeah. When I travel overseas, once in a while, there's a country where like you need to have a proof of departure. Hmm. They won't let you in if you can't prove that you're leaving. And I know, I've been at the airport before where I was like frantically buying a ticket on my phone, like, oh my god, I'm gonna miss my flight. I need to buy a ticket right now. I have to decide when I'm leaving and where I'm leaving from. There are websites where you can like buy a ticket for $10 and then they'll refund it for you. They keep your $10. Um, things just like so that. you
0: have that receipt yeah but
2: I've bought two tickets before while traveling overseas that I just totally bailed on and I felt bad about it I was like "Ooh, that was a waste of money mm. but I don't want to leave
1: yet yeah 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 yeah, <laughs> so- yeah.
0: hey if you don't want to go you know yeah you shouldn't have to but that's cool I mean so can I ask like how much did your rig cost you because it sounds like a pretty fancy setup is that a is that a is that a rude question? It's
2: not. Know. It's a reasonable question okay. because you know, for someone
0: say that's listening, who's that considering says, doing I'm this, it. yeah.
2: So, it's less expensive than you think. Okay. For me, I was thinking, okay, I want to do this trip for two years. So I wasn't thinking as much about the upfront cost as the like absolute cost. So how much is it gonna cost? How much am I gonna get back when I sell it? Mm -hmm. So I looked at the depreciation curves of different vehicles.
0: I've heard fifth wheels are not bad as far as resale goes.
2: Yeah, they tend to hold their value pretty well. Especially if you look at, so for me, I was looking at 2019s and 2012s. Because if you look at the depreciation curve, like it depreciates a lot the first year you have it. And then the depreciation slows down the second year, and then it continues steadily down, down, down. But around 2012, which is about eight years old at that time, the really dep- gets depreciated about as much as it will. As
0: it's gonna. Yeah, so yeah. I
2: was calling all these dealers, the trucks as well,
0: yeah. and
2: they're like, what are you looking for? What's your budget? And I was like, my budget is, I'm looking at 2019s and 2012s. And they're like, no, but what's your budget? How much money do you want to spend? And I'm like, I want vehicles from 2019 or 2012. Yeah. So the vehicle, the RV that I wanted originally, I was looking at like a 2009. Is a little older than I wanted, but again, I was like, how much value can this possibly lose in the next two years? Well, it's I depreciated. Imagine I
0: imagine there's a lot of ten or twelve year old RVs that really haven't seen much in the way of miles. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah, a lot of them are pretty new. They're well taken care of. I mean, there's a lot of like very meticulous older people who are doing RVing. Yeah. So the one I wanted, I picked it out. I knew I wanted it. It looked like it had everything I wanted. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: So I just had to buy a truck so I could go buy the RV. And while I was buying the truck, which was hard, because there's like a truck shortage right now. Yeah, I've heard. So I finally found a truck I wanted. At first I thought I could tow this RV with a half ton. But trucks are funny. Like you don't just like go buy one and they're all the same. They're all like set up differently. There are some half tons that could tow. You know, an 8,000-pound fifth wheel, and there are some that can't. And I got tired of, like, solving these puzzles and putting the pieces together. Well, you
0: really don't want a truck that can just barely do what you're asking.
2: I didn't want to tow. I didn't want to exceed 80% of the towing capacity ever. And I think when people talk about, like, RVing being stressful and the white-knuckle driving, that's one of the things is they're trying to tow something they can barely tow. So they're, like, really pushing the vehicle.
0: yeah. I mean, for my job that had me down in Texas, we were towing about a 25,000 pound trailer and you really don't want a truck that's going to get pushed around. You know, it's Mm -hmm. amazing. They all kind of look the same on the outside, but you're right. They're totally different underneath. You know, that's why sitting here looking at my big white truck, like for about four years, I did all my work with my little black Toyota and it got really like sketchy at times, like pulling soil and mulch or whatever. And. God damn, I just need a big truck. Like, you just need it. And um, there's a big difference between my little 3,000-pound capacity and my 13,000-pound capacity rigs. You know, mm-hmm. I, I go the cheap route and buy as old and as beat up as I can find and tr- exactly. you know, try to keep them, keep them going. But I think you're playing it smart in that I assume you're maybe taking a lease or even if you're not, the idea of setting yourself for setting yourself up for selling it down the road and not losing a whole bunch of money. Mm-hmm. It's like, you could potentially own the thing for very little money over a five-year span, right? Right. I think it's a smart way to do it if you don't have, like, anything holding you in one place. Like, it's it's a super awesome way to live. It
2: really is. You know, I bought everything thinking, okay, I'm going to sell it in two years, was going to retain the most value over two years, but now that I'm a year in, I'm like, well... You know, if I want to go to Alaska, I'm going to have to add another six months to the trip. I never drive more than three hours a day. Mm. I, I That's have. all. That's all, huh? It's, yeah, exactly. It's not very much, but I have a young dog, yeah. and I wouldn't feel right about having her sit in the car all day, and I'm working. So, you know, I have to be set up in the evenings, after school and on weekends. I'm talking to kids on Zoom, so, you know, I have to be set up. I've got to be where I'm going. A lot of RVers have a policy of, like, they'll have, like, a 300-mile rule or they'll have, like, a 3 o'clock rule. Sure. People have different rules about how much they're going to drive in a day. A lot of people won't drive after 3 p.m. They want to be set up. They want to be drinking their beers, chilling.
0: Not to mention, like, you don't want to hit rush hour traffic going through a city. You don't
2: want to get to your campground. If you're going to a campground at night, people get mad about it because they're, like, worried you're going to hit their satellite dish. Sure. And it's really hard. I love so many things about my truck. But one thing that I think is just amazing and simple is my towing mirrors. I have these really large towing mirrors with like a regular mirror on top and a much more curved mirror on Uh the bottom. I've got a 29 foot trailer behind my truck and no blind spot. I can see everything wow, that's next yeah. to me. Nothing that's behind me. If something's yeah. behind me, I don't know, if people are like aggressively tailgating me or uh, what, I don't know. Who cares? <laughs> who cares? <laughs> yeah. I certainly don't, and I couldn't do this if I did care. Yeah. If you're uh, going to RV, you're going to make people mad because you're never driving the speed limit. Like I'm not going 80. Yeah. I don't yeah. want to have an expensive blowout. That's you know? why they
0: put two lanes on the highway. Yeah. You know, let them pass you, let them get pissed, who cares? You got nowhere to be anytime fast.
2: If they're pissed, it's their problem. Yeah, it's their yeah. personal problem. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But yeah, I love my telling mirrors. And they're great and I have no blind spot. But if it's night, I can't see anything in the telling mirrors. Like mm-hmm. now I do have a blind spot. If I'm trying to back up at night, I see nothing. I look in the mirrors and it's just darkness. Yeah. So it's yeah. good to arrive before dark. <laughs> no
0: doubt. Well, you know, you said something about how you're a big-time mountain biker. That's what your intention is heading down to Kentucky, yeah? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean it when I say you ought to stop through Brown County because um, it's it's some good mountain bike trails. But also I'm biased because I just love that part of Indiana. Yeah. Oh,
2: I'm excited to see it. Um, yeah. I'm part of a couple Facebook groups. I didn't know before I started RVing how valuable these Facebook groups are. I thought mm-hmm. that they were stupid before, and now I'm just like, Shocked at how much I'm passively learning just by like checking Facebook once or twice a day. I'll see posts on my newsfeed from like mountain biking groups. Um, that's how I learned about Kentucky and Indiana and West Virginia as mountain biking destinations. I mm. never would have been like Rocky Mountains, Utah, Sedona. I never would have known that this is such an awesome place to go.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's too bad you can't be here this weekend. I'd say come take my uh ATV tour. You know, That'd it's, be sweet. it's a ball. Um, but now like i said i am a bit envious like part of me fantasizes quite often about like selling everything and just living on the road for a while there's something very appealing about it i i have this theory that like people are semi nomadic like in a in a very like biological way like that was the norm for many of our for, for most of our existence as a species, people would spend a lot of time sort of at home base, but they would also travel and see and like head up into the mountains during the summer and down mm. into the canyons in the winter. And, you know, I think part of us sort of needs that feeling of like being on the move every so often. Maybe we all can't do it constantly full time, but um, there's a reason people spend so much money on travel. And I think it's scratching that itch to just. To just know that you're capable of not being in the same place all the time. Um, So did you like always think you wanted to do this or did this just kind of like... I
2: never thought I wanted to be... I mean, I always traveled a lot. Yeah. As uh, you've picked up on. Yeah. Part of the reason I went into this whole college counseling business is because after I graduated from school, I basically took the first job I could... Because okay. I didn't have any money, and I needed a job, and I needed to make money. Mm-hmm. So I got a job at a startup, and we were we were basically like Groupon, except they were very successful, and we failed. But, <laughs> uh, womp, womp. <laughs> but, you know, I had just done this master's degree on, like, leisure skill development and playfulness in adulthood, and I thought, what better way to help people be playful than to, like, give them the opportunity to try things for a really low price so they don't have to worry like, oh, I might not like this. Do I really want to spend hundred dollars on this lesson? Sell it to them for 50 and then let them realize, oh, I love swing dancing and you know yeah. So I saw it as a really cool way to apply my research in a corporate way. We ran out of money, but by the time that happened, I had savings. So instead of just taking the next job I could get, I thought, what do I want to do? in my life what do I want to do professionally what do I want to do and one of the things I knew I wanted to do is travel I thought I wouldn't be content with like two weeks of paid vacation a year for me I need more than that so it's like well how much more than that do I need and I decided two to four months a year so now it's like okay what job can I get where I get to travel two to four months a year there are a couple different ways you could do that you know a job that requires travel but for me, I ended up getting into college counseling because I worked pretty hard in the summer, the fall and the winter, but like, who's applying to college March, April, May? Nobody. Mm-hmm. So for the last mm, six, seven years, I would travel overseas March, April, May. So every year I was overseas, two or three months. And I loved that. It, for me, that was perfect. It satisfied the desire to like travel and be elsewhere, but I still had the purpose in my life. I was still building something. Before Andrew Yang was, you know, cool, running for president and everything, he had written this book called Smart People Should Build Things. Huh. And I loved that book. I've recommended it to so many people. And no matter how old they are, what they tell me is the same, which is, I wish I read that book 10 years ago.
0: Hmm, I might have to pick that up.
2: Whether they're 20, whether they're 50, everyone wishes they read it 10 years ago. And oh. one of the main things in the book is, is smart people should build things. Happiness isn't just, like, playing and having fun all the time. Fun is fun, but fun isn't meaning and happiness. This, like, these are different kinds of feelings. Yeah. For me, it's fun to travel, but I can't imagine doing it full time without building something. Because I need that purpose. I need that, like, construction in my life. I need to know that I'm touching other lives and making a difference in some way to others.
0: Yeah, you can't just, like, have fun all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I hear you. So
2: I like to do both all the time. <laughs> but you literally
0: studied, like, fun? You said, like, adult play? Adult playfulness. Yeah.
2: So in psychology, there's been a lot of research for decades about, you know, playfulness in babies, playfulness in young children. What does playfulness do for their emotional development, their social development, their cognitive development? There is tons of research on playfulness in children but I was interested in playfulness in adulthood. Mm -hmm. And in my literature review, I just found so little research on it. I was like, why? Who is to say that playfulness isn't just as important for a 25 year old or a 30 year old as it is for like a five year old? Or a
0: 70 year old for that matter. It's Mm -hmm. almost like you notice, um, oftentimes I think people get more playful as they reach like advanced age, maybe because they're not so preoccupied with work and stress and this and that. But it's like you, you often see like grandparents are very playful with their grandkids mm-hmm. um, when maybe the parents are a little too preoccupied to be genuinely playful. Um, and I've seen that happen like in, in my family with my folks. Now that my sisters have kids, it's like I just see this like childlike uh, state that, that my folks can very easily access that I didn't necessarily see much when I was a kid. But, you know, it's... um it's clear that that capacity is still within us as Mm -hmm. adults. It's just maybe a little bit difficult for people to get there, you know, and kids can bring it out of us fairly easily. But like when it comes to adults playing with one another, it seems like there's so many like social, um, restraints and like, maybe it's more in our own heads, but like, instead of engaging with play with with our peers, it's almost like you don't want to look foolish or juvenile or whatever. There's a
2: lot of that, and you know, I even encounter that with myself sometimes. I consider myself a very expert level player, but once in a while I'll be like skateboarding. (laughs) I was skateboarding in Waco, Texas a few months ago, and it crossed my mind at what point is it like uncool for me to be skateboarding? Like I'm not 20 years old anymore. I'm not 17. <laughs> I'm in my thirties. Yeah. Is it okay for a 30 year old to still be skateboarding? Sure, right? And then I was like, Whoa, wait, wait, why am I even thinking about this? Why am I like becoming self-conscious about a thing that brings me so much joy? Yeah. yeah. Skateboarding makes me so happy. So who cares if it's like weird for a 40, 40- I'm not 40, but when I'm 40, I still plan on being a skateboarder. <laughs>
0: You know, I've like I feel like I've learned a lot. I mentioned this to you earlier um, by getting involved in the biker world. And as as funny as it sounds, I think that bikers are very in touch with their inner child. Like, why else would they put their life in jeopardy to ride a motorcycle? Because it is genuinely dangerous, but it's because it's so much damn fun. Mm-hmm. And um, and I find that like when bikers hang out you know, from a distance, it might look like a bunch of tough guys, but you get up close and they're playing with each other. They're goofing off, you know, making jokes, whatever. Uh, Everybody's like admiring each other's rides and like, it's very positive. And uh, until you kind of get on the inside of that specific culture, like I said, from the outside, you might have the wrong idea and think it's these kind of tough guy, macho type people. But so often it's like, they're, they're like kids. They're like big kids with tattoos. You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, um, I just think it's so cool to see people, people play like that. And, um, you know, I think about a time where I worked in Colorado and I was only 19. So, you know, barely an adult, but already at that point where it's like, is it okay to play? Is it okay to play? And my job was actually working with kids. Like I was a glorified babysitter at this guest ranch. And, um, And I remember at one point, like the kids were actually on a, on a ride or something. And it was just me and a couple of the other kid counselors. And we got into an air gun battle, like spontaneously. A bunch of, you know, 19 to 23 year olds. And we're, you know, pew, 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 shooting at each other, you know, taking cover and dodging and ducking. And, and it was so random and so stupid and so fun. And it was probably because we like played with kids all day that that was just like, carryover play but I remember thinking like oh like we're still allowed to do this kind of goofy shit you know what I mean And yeah it was liberating it was super liberating yeah know?
2: and you were like interacting in a place where it was okay to be like the fact that there are often kids around mm-hmm. I think one problem you see like so that was you being playful and goofy in your workplace yeah there are people who try to like gamify and funify like more corporate settings and they always struggle and one of the reasons I think is because They're not functioning in an atmosphere that's conducive to being silly. Like, at the end of the day, we're still competing with each other for the next promotion. You can't let your guard down. Play requires vulnerability. Like, you have to put yourself in a position where somebody could hurt you. Like, if you're playing sports, you could hurt me. You could score on me. You could embarrass me. And that's, like, part of it. If you're not willing to accept, like, a defeat or an embarrassment or something then you can't do it. You can't just mutually enjoy it because there's too much competitiveness, there's too much seriousness, there's mm-hmm. not enough vulnerability. And vulnerability doesn't come easily to most adults. Children, they're fine with screaming and crying and yes. saying, you made me mad, or yeah. I'm mad at you. or It hurt my feelings when you did that. And yeah. for adults, it's like we don't, and this is a whole other thing is like, I've got this blog and I write about playfulness a lot but I also write about assertiveness a lot and people are like, why do you write so much about assertiveness? If you're supposed to be writing about playfulness It's because if you can't use your big boy words or your big girl words, (laughs) you can't play. Do you think that I could be traveling around the world as a woman by myself? If I couldn't say, get your hands off of me, stop touching me. That wasn't okay. Don't do that again. Like, If I couldn't use my big girl words to tell people to back off, to leave me alone, to stop following me. I mean, not like this happens all the time. Most people are good and the world is very safe. But there are going to be people who, like, will push if you let them. And if you can't use your big girl words, you can't. I mean, I couldn't even go out in, like, Indianapolis. I couldn't even go out at night to a bar by myself if I weren't comfortable saying, stop touching me. Yeah. Or, you know, I didn't like that. Or when you did that, it hurt me. Like, in a more social way, you know, don't do that again. Like, I really like you, but please don't do that again. If you can't be assertive with your boundaries, you can't play in a lot of ways that are accessible to people who are assertive. So vulnerability and assertiveness. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, and it's, um, I'm trying to formulate this thought, but, um. This concept of like, I always think there's sort of a duality at play in a lot of things. Okay, let's see if I can say this in a way that makes sense. But like, there is no joy without sorrow, right? There is no play without assertion, or without vulnerability, or whatever. Um, and it's kind of like I think as adults we we try so hard to. To be like an image of ourselves that we are unwilling to embarrass ourselves in any situation. Like we're not really, we're not willing to be vulnerable, like you said. And it really is to our own demise, our own de- detriment. In that we would all be better and more successful, more happy if we were, you know, if we were more willing to be vulnerable and engage in sort of playfulness and silliness you know, like I've got a dear friend who she told me is like, my silly side only seems to come out around you.
1: Aww. And I, I took
0: that as an incredible honor. Oh, and, yeah. um, and it was like, yeah, you know, I just like always am so serious with most other adults. And like, it's kind of like something about our friendship. We just feel comfortable enough to be silly. And, it's, like, very apparent that, like, she almost needs that to, you know, happen occasionally. But we all
2: need that. I know,
0: and it's just sad that, like, it's considered weird a lot of times. People, like, kind of, like, don't know what to make of a silly grown-up. You know, and I, I go I go hang out with my nieces and nephews, and I'm almost more comfortable with the kids than I am with the adults. Oh, Yeah. I I could see you Oh, they're the
2: ones out there, like, you know, if there's music, they're the ones dancing. Yeah, yeah. If there's a ball, they're the ones kicking it. Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. don't want to sit at a table and look at you. I want to go kick the ball. And have,
0: like, you know, small talk or whatever. Let's go Mm -hmm. play instead. Yeah. You know, I, I guess I don't know if I have much else to ask you about, but, like, I think what you're doing is awesome. I think it's cool that you found this balance where you can work from the RV and... And this passion for play is like so radical you know Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, it's really
2: great i guess one thing that i would add not uh that you asked but go ahead with something you just said you know this passion for play i do have the passion for play it's true but it's not like easy for anybody because playing is harder than being entertained there's passive entertainment and Mm -hmm. there's active entertainment And we live in a world where there's so much easy, passive entertainment, and we all work so hard that when we finally have a moment to not be working, we don't want to be like, okay, what would entertain me? What would I have a fun time doing right now? Okay, now I'm going to put on my shoes. Now I'm going to go outside. Now I'm going to go do that. I could just turn on the TV and watch something. Yeah, that's and the easy be... choice. Yeah. So, you know, it's a hard thing. We live in a world where it's harder to entertain yourself than ever because it's just so easy to be entertained. And I think that one way I've become a better, happier, stronger something person as an RVer is it's a lot easier to reject easy opportunities for passive entertainment when I know I'm only going to be here for three days. I have three days to enjoy Indianapolis. You're not
0: going to sit in the RV and watch satellite television. No. And so for
2: me, every day feels like three days. By the time I leave here, I'm going to feel like I was here for a week because every moment... I was so highly motivated to be doing something. yeah. And that is something that I want to take with me. Like, I don't have to be RVing to be this way. I can be this way forever. I can sell the RV, go get an apartment, and try to be at least a little bit like I am now.
1: Mm. Well,
0: maybe you could call it like your, um, I know you said you already have a master's, right? But it's like your postgraduate in uh playful living right just yeah like, this is your um your pilgrimage of sorts yeah to to, to to connect with that sense of spontaneity and playfulness and
2: and um to be able to live my whole life like it's a vacation just because yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm at home doesn't mean i have to like stop being curious right well, stop talking to strangers stop asking people questions and you know
0: I imagine if you were ever to settle back in to a more sedentary, uh, sedentary is maybe not the right word, but Definitely not the right word. More, um, um, normal. Well, normal's whatever. I'm thinking just more permanently housed in one place, back to a, a normal life. You'll be able to look back on the experience of this time and say like, wow, you know, like, you can always tap into that feeling just through memory. Oh yeah. I would assume it's like, my experiences in wilderness I fall back on anytime times get tough because I know like the world is beautiful it's crazy and chaotic and things often don't go the way you want but there's beauty out there and even if you're not standing on the mountain you can remember what it felt like to stand on the mountain
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, yeah I say like more power to you I hope more people I hope anybody out there listening that's considering doing the nomadic life for a time like gives it a gives it a whirl like don't let this news about Gabby um, Petito like don't let that discourage you don't let
2: that discourage you that bad things
0: it would have happened you know that's an abusive relationship innocent till proven guilty but it looks like the boyfriend
2: it seems pretty clear pretty clear
0: Uh. whatever don't want to make assumptions but it's like that would have happened if they were living in a van or living at Mm -hmm. his parents house which it sounds like was their previous situation just like that's no reason not to take the chance and be vulnerable and get out there into the world and see it for yourself you know whether that be by yourself or with a partner like who cares Um, yeah it's such a cool life i almost won't go on a trip anymore unless i can do at least two weeks you know preferably at least a month that's my rule as far as if i'm gonna take the time and pack the truck i'm gonna be gone for a while um
2: but see, once you have an RV, you won't have to pack the trailer. You don't have to pack it. You just yeah. have to hook up just to the trailer. Pitch it
0: up and you're ready to roll. I mean, I'm sold. I just need to, you know, I guess make some money and buy the, buy the damn thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, Ava, Eva. Eva. God damn, I, I should I should know that by now. But it was really... That's the
2: first time you messed it up. I did. Fair, I got it right, right?
0: every other time. Mm-hmm. Eva. Eva. It's very nice to have you on the show. Thank
2: you. Thanks for having me. Yeah,
0: yeah. Maybe we can uh, do like um, a Zoom interview in a couple months. Yeah. Find out where you're at and like what's new and all that.
1: That'd be sweet. Be
2: cool
0: to keep up. So awesome. Well, thanks
2: again. Thank you.
0: This has been Mike the Polymath with the Easy Peasy Podcast. Come back again.